Welcome to the Dynasty Strategy Hub. I'm your host, Andrew Ferraro, here with my co-host, Dave Sanders. On this episode, we're really excited to have Nick Whalen on. Uh, Dave, I'm going to give you introduce Nick. Uh, tell us what we need to know. Yeah, so many of you probably know Nick from the Debbie Report, um, really popular scouting report for all the college prospects that are going into the fantasy landscape in the next couple of years. So, Nick, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's uh, it's been fun uh, before we started recording and chatting, and so I'm kind of even more excited now just to talk. Uh, you know, whatever questions you have, I think it's going to be pretty fun for listeners. Sounds good. Yeah, let's get started. Let's talk a little bit about yourself. So I know tell people about the Debbie Report and the graduates if they're not familiar, and then let's talk a little bit about you and what you're doing personally. Yeah. So um, so basically, the the, the Debbie Report is just I started uh, in a Debbie league and researching and uh, Matt Caracci, if you guys know him, he's at Saturday to Sunday. I started a podcast with him and uh, Paul Parkeese. Uh Really interesting accents. If you like to hear some accents out there, they, they got that, that New York one going on there real strong. But um, basically Matt's just like, hey, you do a lot of research here. I think that people might like that. And so basically what I did is I was saving people time. So I would do all of the stats and you know film and rankings and put it all together and i mean it, when i first started off it was like five bucks and i think uh, last time i sold it was like 10 bucks and so you know you get 150 pages on prospects and you know when you have to go and google and all that kind of stuff or just look at one thing it was kind of just to save time and then uh, i was talking with somebody and they said it's kind of a shame you don't talk about the nfl guys like once they get to the draft and i said i guess it would be kind of like a uh, you know, nice little cherry on top of my dead report. Cause I mean, like I would follow, you know, guys, guys, guys. And then I would just like, let them go. So I started doing the graduates two years ago, basically the same thing. I would just go more in depth and watch more games, um, which is fun, you know, cause that's, that's the fun part for me. I really like the, the film and looking for traits. So yeah, I just been uh, doing those. And I mean, that's a, dare I say labor of love? Cause sometimes it's not really love, but it's a lot of labor, um, to, to make that. But, uh, um, I think people appreciate it and I've, I'm, I'm very honest. I don't think that I really, uh, you know, try to build prospects up if I don't like them, you know, I don't like them. If I like them, I really like them. So, um, but I guess, uh, you're asking just kind of me and my life. I mean, I, uh, um, I do a lot of other things. I try and talk about that. Cause I think that, uh, you know, we're all people. So I, I race, I do Spartan races. I, uh, I'm a counselor in my, my real life. And, uh, I don't know, I try and help people out as much as I can. So I'm always chatting with people online and helping their teams and, uh, you know, life, whatever it is. That's awesome. That's part of why we're doing the podcast really to bring people together, uh, to get some of our listeners to hear some of the folks that they, you know, they follow your content on Twitter. They read the Debbie report and I'll put a, you know, a voice to that it's the name. I know for the Debbie report for me, when we started getting the dynasty or Debbie leagues, I guess three or four years ago, I started to think, man, I know, you know, I watched some college, but I don't watch everything. And I kind of was looking up stats and stuff. I heard about your report, I think through Ryan McDowell, probably, you know, purchased it. And I couldn't believe like the amount of detail you had. And it's kind of helped me get like Cortland Sutton on some teams, Ronald Jones, like those kind of guys. What kind of led you to wanting to, you know, publish that content? Was it, you know, just, like you said, you're having the conversations with the guys, but even before that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just, um, I look at the game differently than a lot of other people because of my coaching background. So I mean, I've coached for uh, 11 years and, um, you know, started from, you know, D one college to, I, I've had internships at a lot of places. So I mean, I've been at, uh, 
let's see, Carthage College, uh, Montana State internship there, Drake had an internship there, and then I uh, coached at Western Kentucky and then a bunch of high school stuff. So, I mean, when you're around the game that much, you're really looking at different techniques and skill sets and traits that uh, – and, and you see what's bad, <laughs> for sure. You see a lot of bad, and then you see some good stuff, and, and you know, you continually look for the good stuff. And I, uh, I just think that people – that that thing is lacking in in our industry and so uh it turned out to be valuable and it was really valuable for me i think the i think the first like uh, if i have to do like a humble brag here the first uh light bulb that went off where i could take that and put it into a fantasy is i was in a draft uh, a rookie draft one of my first fantasy leagues where you had the draft before the NFL draft. So you're just drafting players and you're like, well, I like this player. I'm taking him. Hopefully he does well. And so it was that draft class. And I don't remember the, the, the number off the top of my head, but it was the one with McFadden and Mendenhall and Jonathan Stewart and Chris Johnson, all of them. And so the draft went and it was, you know, Mendenhall and McFadden and Jonathan Stewart and I had the fourth pick. And so uh, most people, you know, thought I was going to go with, uh, Chris Johnson or Felix Jones, maybe, right? You knew he was going to get hyped up at Arkansas. And I went with Matt Forte. I really liked what Matt Forte had. I liked a lot of his skill sets. And people thought, you know, like, okay, that's weird. And then I had the fifth pick. And so then you'd think like, okay, one of those other guys, right? And I, and I took Jam, Jamal Charles. And so, you know, like it was, they, they really like, you know, guys are just like, you don't know what you're doing. And it was literally the first league I was in. I'm like, I really like everything these guys are doing. And I had the last laugh, obviously, you know, I did really well and, you know, I won championships in that league, but that was my first insight where I can take all of the stuff that I watch for on film and make that into something that would be helpful for people winning leagues. I like it. I think the coaching background throws a nice, actually, as we talked a lot prior to, to actually recording, uh, we were talking shop there. Uh, I just kind of, from a coaching standpoint, cause you've been through so many levels. Is there ever, I'm sure you've seen this, but what's the kind of one of the biggest things that stands out? Cause everybody sends highlight tips and they look great. Um, but have you ever had someone that come in and you're like, this is not the dude I saw on film? Yeah. Um, well, I think the more, the more film you watch, I, I, the biggest thing I look for is repeatable traits. Cause you'll have the highlight films and you see like, Oh, that's one great play, but do they do it over and over and over again? And so, yeah, there's, there's times where, um, you, you, I don't see it as much as other people do. So like Dante Pettis is one right now. He's like crashing and burning. And I didn't like Dante Pettis, you know? Um, I know I got so much slander for this one, but I just didn't see this elite special player as I have air quotes. Cause people can't see that, uh, with, <laughs> with Darius Geis. Cause I liked Geis all these years, but then when you really break down all those traits, you see a hesitating runner with lacking vision that makes questionable decisions. And he's just going to be a guy. He's going to run hard. He's a good athlete, but that, that's not going to be special to me. And, and for how long did we hear it was one A, one B with him and Saquon Barkley. And I'm like, it's not Barkley's like the only guy up there. And the more film I watch, the more I'm like, you can really put Rojo and Michelle and Chubb and guys in a, a, you know, a little hat and draw one out. And that's, you know, they're about really close and similar because none of them were a great pass catching threat. Obviously Chubb has done well since then, but at the time, you know, it was really a debate. And so people get just, just get mad at me and I know he's been hurt, but he didn't do it for me. So, you know, I think uh, those are a couple, I guess, recent ones. Um, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but, and, and I've been certainly wrong because guys can change. And the, and the hardest part for Debbie is you're, 
I'm looking at high school film. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at guys that are 17. And if you want to look at someone like Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley gained 30, 40 pounds when he got into high school or got into college. So their bodies are going to change. They're going to get faster. You want to look at Saquon Barkley, his freshman year to when he left, he got so much quicker and faster and stronger. So you're, you know, in essence, I'm, I'm, I'm grading these guys and on what they are now and what I hope they could be, but I don't know what their body types and they're going to change. And if they're going to learn new techniques and skill sets. So it, it is pretty tough, but yeah, those are some of them, I guess, when you dig in deeper. Gotcha. I know you talked, you know, repeatable traits. Cause like you said, everybody has a great highlight tape. That's the whole point of a highlight tape. If you pick out the five plays out of 50, they do well. Hey, they look great. Um, are there anything, you know, QB, for example, you kind of mentioned the following as your top traits, you know, the awareness in the pocket, being calm under pressure, you know, processing information quickly. Are those, are there any other common traits you're kind of looking for for those top grade prospects? You know, because you always hear height, weight, and how big are their hands. It's <laughs> always my favorite one. How big is his hand? Like, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I, you know, you know what I think the number one trait is, is I think it's, it's when you can see a guy who consistently improves as a prospect. And so, you know, like Andy Dalton's one of them. Like if you looked at Andy Dalton, his freshman year at TCU, to his sophomore year, to his junior year, to his senior year. And I know I said that and everyone's like, Andy Dalton's not sexy. I get it, okay? But if you watched him as a freshman, you didn't think he was an NFL player. And now he's been a, a starting quarterback in the NFL for a long time. No one thought he was going to do that either. And so you saw a player that continually improved. Corey Davis, a guy that, you know, I, I hung my hat on. I was the first, you know, one there, I think, on that hill. And I'm still batting at that hill because of the quarterback <laughs> stuff. Is he continually got better at, you know, Western Michigan in terms of, you know, he was a body catcher and then he turned into a body catcher and sometimes he uses hands. And then now all of a sudden he's a good hands catcher. Like you see players that are constantly working on things and then you'll see players that think they're good enough and they never get that much better. I want the guy that's constantly working at it. Cause I think, you know, hard work and talent's going to be talent. Yeah. I like, I always think of St. Brown as one of the guys that everybody talked about. Oh from high school, this guy's going to be great. He's, he's the man. He's never really got much better, but we always came up with an excuse for it. So it was, Oh, well, there's the quarterback play is not great or everybody, you know, he's getting double covered. But, um, so do you buy much into a lot of the, like we said, coming to quarterback, whether it be height, weight, hand size. Um, I know DK Metcalf was getting ragged for a three cone drill. Do you, put a lot of weight in that do you just say hey yeah there's some stats that kind of matter but hey let's look at what else he can do or how do you kind of because a lot of the industry wants to go hard on those numbers because we like numbers because it's easily quantifiable well okay so this is hot take i think people like to do numbers because it's fucking easy <laughs> sorry for swearing but like you're fine it just is. you know like they, they, they use numbers because it's easy it's a box score and they can do it instead of watching the game and watching the things that matter which is what's on the field you know and there's if there's an ma as you would know that's gonna that might be the reason there's a big touchdown instead of the player making a couple guys miss which is a i think a more valuable reason so you know i look at the field the number one I, the combine is like 10 percent if that of my eval, you know, the underwear Olympics there, there's at no point are they never going to have pads on and no football and no defense. So you guys can go crazy with that because there's also something in their mind where 
they aren't aggressive and don't use those athletic traits to the same ability that they do on the field, which makes them not matter. So if you want to look at some traits that I like, um, I guess I can, I can talk into some of that. So you talked about that stuff with quarterbacks. And, and one thing people kind of brought up after I put that tweet out there, they're like, you didn't talk about accuracy. Well, well yeah, accuracy matters. But if you don't have awareness in the pocket, and you're seeing ghosts, right? <laughs> or, <laughs> or you're not under pressure, or you can't process that the, that the safeties are shifting, right? And the coverage, and there's blitzing, or there's a twist up front, or that coverage is, you know, they're, they're going from man to a zone, and you didn't realize what that was, you're not going to complete passes successfully in the NFL. You have to do all of those things, and then actually it's going to come. Because if you have that awareness, your feet's going to be underneath you. You're going to make accurate throws. Like all that stuff goes together. I mean, people make fun of what Dak Prescott was doing. Dak Prescott was just working on his feet and, and that, that simple motion. And everyone thinks it's a funny thing. That's football. That, that is right there. That is football. I'm like, I was proud of him. I'm like, man, that's, that's guy working on his craft. And so um, with the running backs, for instance, I think making defenders miss uh, is, is a really big trait. But also, I think that people think – making the miss is, is a big thing, but you want to make the miss by the shortest amount of um, space because wasted movement is a negative. And so I've been the most pound on the table, anti David Montgomery person out there. David Montgomery wastes so much time, so much steps, so much space worrying about making people miss. And at some point you have to gain yards and he doesn't do that. He it's in his head. He's got that Reggie Bush syndrome. He's got that. I just have to dance around and you know what? You're not in high school anymore. You're not in Iowa State anymore, and it's not working. And so, you know, at some point you have to change that up. Um, There's to be a problem solver because nothing goes according to plan on plays. So you have to problem solve and have multiple ways to solve that problem. And I think burst is obviously important for running backs too. So I think those would be the top ones. You could also put in there, I think, maybe contact balance. That's up there high too, I think, instead of a 40-yard dash time, which whatever. How often are they going to have that? Um, I, I would also put in, I really like running backs that are aggressive when they see an opening as well. Aggressively running in traffic uh, is something else that I really like. Uh, that's, that's also something I think that's underrated. Um, wide receivers, feet are so important. Feet are at the you know line of scrimmage when they're, they're trying to break press coverage at the top of routes, during their routes. Um, that leads to everything. And I think that you know, people will get all over DK Metcalf, as you had mentioned, you know, for things. But I think he doesn't have that bit of feet, which I think is important. Um, route running. Route running is not running every route as fast as you can. Route running is your Brad Pitt in Hollywood and you have to play a role because you're trying to tell a story. You're trying to tell a story to mess up the demons of back every play so that way you can get separation. And so a lot of uh, people don't understand that well, he's not running that fast or he's running slow and then fast. And all they're, they're, they're messing with even the back so much and have to know what space is and attack a defender's leverage during that whole process. Nikhil Harry has not figured that out. I was very anti him because he doesn't do that. Um, but again, those are traits that I look for. Um, and I'd also say attitude. I think I like a lot of attitude in my receiver, you know, at catch point. After the reception, you want the guy that wants to get the yards that's aggressive uh, mentally. I think that's important too. So I guess those are some traits there. I don't know if you guys have any other uh, requests there, but those, those are at least a few that I look for. No, that was awesome. I'm learning a lot myself. 
Um, if there's a prospect you graded really highly and say he's off to a slow start, is there a breaking point where you're going to go, okay, in two years, it hasn't really worked. I'm going to start to kind of sell off my shares in Dynasty or we're going to give up on your evaluation or do you kind of like ride and die till the end? Because I've been a Kevin White supporter and I'm still believing. <laughs> I'm still it's just an injury situation, man. Yeah. Kevin White, it's one healthy season away from being the man. So <laughs> give him time, guys. Uh, well, you know what I think if you want to talk about something that uh, doesn't get talked about a lot in terms of a trait is confidence. You know, Mitchell Trubisky's confidence is gone. Kevin White's confidence is gone. And the injuries is what hurt Kevin White, but it's confidence to overcome that. You know, uh, Emmanuel Sanders was banged up early in his career, but he's had that, that confidence to overcome that, and he did. You know, I think that's something that's important. Now, can you measure that? Is that, is that in their spark score? Like, no, it's not, you know, but that's something that you would get off of uh, interviews, and you would get that off of, you know, how they, how they work too. So I think that's something that's uh, underrated. But, um, I think that the industry needs to constantly reassess when you get new information, when you get new data, that's when you have to change your evaluation every single time, every single game, everything is more, you know, more uh, variables to this equation of if this guy's going to pan out or not. Now, again, early on, they, they, they matter a little bit more, but I don't, I don't completely throw guys aside because I did a lot of work initially and I know who they are. Like people were tossing Ronald Jones to the side after he had 23 carries in the NFL. I'm sorry. 23 carries is nothing in the NFL. And now he's a starting running back and I got lots of value out of that. I'm not going to be that up and down over 23 carries. Now, again, if he had 200 carries and he looked really bad, that would be another thing. Um, but I think that people don't like to change their data point with new information because of bias. And I think bias is something that is so dangerous. And it's not just, you know, fantasy football. It's bias causes fights. It causes job loss. It causes divorces and breakups. I mean, and it causes people to miss out on value in their fantasy leagues because we want to believe, we want to be right. Instead of, instead of making the correct answer or the correct eval on a player, we want to be right. And I think that's, people are chasing the wrong thing too often. So I think the more information that you get, long answer there, Dave, it, it should help with, you know, constantly reevaluating where Kevin White is or where, you know, Corey Davis is, you know, because Corey Davis will still have these games and you'll see the traits out there. And he had the most uncatchable targets, uh, for instance, his rookie year. It's like, okay, um, you know, so those aren't real targets, you know, things like that, I think. But you also have to think of like why they're struggling. You know, is it their fault? Is it not their fault? You watch the film, are they getting open away from the ball? All those things I think can help. The bias is the hardest part. I think from a, even, well, from a life standpoint, but also really kind of more on fantasy, but the, you know, the fantasy sport is, Hey, you know, I don't like so-and-so just because they play for whatever team or you got to get that out and say, okay, Hey, you know, I'm not a Dak Prescott guy cause I'm an Eagles fan. So screw Dak. I hope he does terrible, but he's a pretty decent quarterback, but you got to get past those bosses really to, to kind of be a good evaluator and get the most out of your leagues. Uh, speaking of leagues. Well, can, can, I, can I go on that for a second? Yeah, of course. I think the other thing too, is that you really have to take a gut check and what are you playing for? Cause sometimes people play for guys. They like, they want the young team. They want uh, all the veterans and trying to win right now. You have to figure out what, what are you playing for? Because everyone plays for something different. For instance, I got in this argument all the time, uh, this summer over Tyreek Hill. Because people are like, oh, I can never have someone like that on your team. Why? Are you going to church? Like, 
it's about fantasy football. That is it. You know what I mean? And so people were getting all of their feelings involved, which was bias. If your end result is you want to win at fantasy football, Tyreek Hill is the guy that you want to have on your team. That's it. it it's, it's a business decision versus you're not going to go and hang out with the person, whether you believe he did this or not. And that's a whole nother debate we're not going to get into. But I think those are things that you have to think about. And that's how work values gets created. You know, I got Tyreek Hill cheap in two different leagues because of that reason. Now, again, there's a gamble involved. But, you know, that happens all the time. Like you said with Dak. If you're in a local redraft league in Philly, Dak's going to go cheaper. But Miles Sanders is going to go more expensive. That bias creates value. And that's what you have to take advantage of if you want to win. If you, want, if you just want to have fun with the guys that you really believe in, do that too. But just be honest with yourself. I think that's been a, a, one of those things that I've had to work on. Uh, just if you want a guy, go get a guy. Like if you really like a guy and you want him on your team, go get him. Like uh, you overpaid for him. Okay. But I got the guy I want. So um, as I've kind of pared my leagues down for me, it's been about you know, how much fun am I having? Cause I don't ever want fantasy football to be a chore where I'm like, up, Oh shit. I got to check seven teams today. I'm like, Oh, what, what's going on? I don't really want to, you know, Oh, I forgot to do it. Oh, no big deal. Um, so for me, that's, it's been about, if you want a guy, go get him. Do I like what Tyreek did? I don't know. I don't know if he, what he did or didn't do, but if he can help me win, I like championships. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, do I agree with what he did in his personal life? No, but he can win me a title. That's really all that matters. Uh, so, Ben, how many fantasy leagues are you playing in now? <laughs> That's probably, this probably, it might be a loaded question. So, uh, about laughing's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah. When you got to laugh at me, but how many are you playing in? Uh, yeah, I got 16. I thought I was bad at like seven, but damn. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Do they all have Debbie or? Uh, only, um, I think seven have Debbie. That's, not, that's less than half. That, I, I thought that number would be higher. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, what's interesting is that, um, uh, it's different cause it's me. Like if I'm in a league and it's Debbie, this is, this is how salty I am. And one of my, my the league I care about the most, I didn't release the Debbie report until after our Debbie draft every year. <laughs> cause then they start using it against me, you know? And so, um, but some of them, I think, again, when you want to talk about value, Debbie's all over the place. Some people get, again, what do they want in the league? Some people just want this, all of these Debbies. And so I would just trade my Debbie picks and get teams and win. And then some of them, they want value. You have to really feel out your league too. Because some of them, I, I wouldn't even pick the Debbie players because I was like, wow, these guys are really overvaluing them because they're so much more risky than even a rookie pick. You have so much more built-in risk with a Debbie player. Yeah, it's 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 uh get him now and hope it pans out into something. Uh, Debbie's been a big thing for me. I've really started to enjoy it just because, like I said, I officiate Friday night. So like a guy like Zamir White, I've seen him in person. I know what he looks like when he was in high school. So I'm excited to that three years from now when he leaves Georgia and goes in the NFL. Like I know who he is. It's a nice little little touch to it. Quick question for you, Nick. So. When you're looking at, you know, a Debbie draft, how likely are you to, you know, bid on or select um, guys who haven't even played in college yet, like incoming freshmen? Do you like to wait a year or two? Or are you basically buying in at that early stage? I, I draft for ceiling all the time because there's no safety. And, you know, it, I mean, you want the guys that are going to change your team and they're going to win you championships. And so, um you know, I drafted, for instance, I drafted Geis, which people were going to be surprised because I like hate him apparently. By the way, he blocked me on Twitter, which is kind of fun. Wow. I've never even tweeted at him. But he must have read one of the articles I had. I was like, 
Okay. Didn't read um, too much of the report, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I drafted him out of high school, you know, and so I, I really liked what I saw. And I drafted, you know, a lot of guys after their freshman year. Cause I'm willing to wait the years to get the ceiling. Um and also I think you have to know where you're at because if you have a uh, later pick, you can gamble more and get more bang for your buck on a younger guy than if you try and get just a safer, older guy. That's just the lowest ceiling. So, but yeah, I always draft for ceiling because I want to win. You might as well because if they pan out, awesome. If they don't, they don't. Just move, cut them, move on, and you get the next ceiling guy. Uh, so, when, so if Dynasty startup, do you base your strategy on the guys you're playing with, how it works out, or do you have a typical game plan you go in with? Um, that's a good question. I, I think you, I think you always have to have a game plan going in and you know, the game plan is not going to go according to plan. Um, I like to go young early, which I know everyone does. Uh, but I like to avoid risk. I avoid injury risk. So like, for instance, I was very anti Dalvin cook and he's having a great year. Like I'm not going to hate on him there, but Dalvin cooks had three shoulder surgeries. He's had an ACL. He's had hammy issues. And I think a groin and I'm just going to, that's, that's a lot that I, not him, the player, I like him, the player, him with all the injuries, I don't. And so with all that, I'm just going to take a safer option and that's going to hopefully pan out more long-term. So that's like an example of a guy I would probably avoid and not pay that premium for versus, you know, like a shove who's had one injury. Oh, I'm sorry. So, so that would be that. And then um, I get risky later, but I think overall, you need to find out in your league, you know, settings, all that kind of stuff, where the, where the talent's going to dry up, you know? So let's say it's 60 players in and let's say that's, you know, there's 60 really good players that you like. And after that, you're like, man, it, I just don't really like anything after that. I'm actually a fan of trading down and then trading up and getting as many picks in that top 60 as I can. Cause I really like depth. I know that's not what a lot of people play for. I like depth because depth helps me overcome suspensions, injuries, bye weeks, and all that will carry me into more playoff appearances, at least early on, than having these premium players and thinking I'm smarter than everybody and I can always hit on all these players because it's not going to happen either. So we've already touched on some of these, but what are some of your, I guess, best and worst calls over the years? Best and worst calls over the years? Well, um, I mean, Corey Davis, I would say, I mean, that was – um, that was after his sophomore year. Um, I mean, a, a, a mid-major guy that I hung my hat on and went top five in the draft. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I was like crying and, and, and George is making fun of me. And I'm like, but that's, that's a big risk. I mean, you know, and, and that, I know he hasn't hit, but I mean, that's already a win in my book. Mm -hmm. uh, Cortland Sutton's another one. I mean, you have another mid-major guy I was on way before anybody else who, uh, Courtland actually follows me. We've had some conversations and DMs, which is kind of cool. Um, Damn. Okay. I mean, early on, I mean, that's like, you know, no one was following me. It's like, man, who's this guy that's constantly, you know, tweeting about me and whatever. So, uh, yeah, he's, he was pretty nice to me. Um, that's when I started following your work actually. So I have sudden like every league. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and this year, Hey, it's paid off, you know? And so, it looks um, really good now. Yeah. And especially if they get a quarterback. Well, he's involved this game. That's another thing where he, I think he's continually, he had the, the size and the flexibility and the athletic ability and the, the um, jump ball slash adjusting to, to balls. But now he's getting the route running and the aggressiveness um, and catch point that he didn't 
have completely refined. And now it's at the NFL level, you know, because how long wasn't that long ago? It was Deshaun Hamilton who was going to just do everything because of the route running, but he wasn't athletic, you know, like sure you can do that at senior bowl. Braxton Miller, remember that one? Then Deshaun <laughs> Hamilton. There, there's things you don't, you have to, you have to learn throughout. And that's the same thing with Dante Pettis. People get so infatuated, I think, with these, you know, I don't know, senior bowl, whatever route running. And you have to see it on the field constantly in those traits. But anyway, getting off on tangent. Sutton's another one, I would say. Um, who are some other ones? Um, well, I guess you could say <clears throat> me being like anti Pettis would be helpful. Um, and some of those, I'm trying to think of, I can't think of others off the top of my head. Sorry, I should have had a list probably. Uh, worst calls, uh, man, I've, um, well, Equinemus was my wide receiver one. That didn't, I mean, coming out of high school, that one didn't work out too well. Um, I, I, I got in love for a while with big armed quarterbacks, Cardell Jones and, uh, and some of them. I liked Derenny Wilson for a bit. Um, uh, I guess going back to my best calls, I mean, you could go back to that draft with Forte and Jamal Charles. And um, I really liked Greg Jennings coming out of college too. That's, I mean, that's, that's pre Debbie report. You, you know, it's interesting. I, I went back and looked at the first Debbie draft I ever had. I drafted uh, DeMarco Murray, which turned out to be not, not too bad. That's, that's a yeah. long time ago. Um, but uh, um, you know, but, but it, it's tough to get the guys that are my calls in leagues so I've actually started forming an alias. I'm like fake names and fake emails. So like I can get the guys I want in my fantasy leagues because I want to win, you know? So that's, I've, I've started to do some of that stuff too. Well, you talked about having to release the Debbie report late just so you could get not. So I'm pretty sure in Scott Fishbowl, Scott Barrett blocked all of us. So we couldn't see his first like three rounds. And I'm like, we all have, Burner accounts, man. You're working too hard. Uh, but it was funny because we had a little group chat going. He's like, yeah, anybody in case we see Scott? No, no. Because he blocked us all. So I immediately go to my burner and look at exactly what he's talking about. But mm-hmm. um, So we'll kind of wrap it up here. What's the worst trade you ever made? Oh, man. There's been – I know there's a couple that stick out and you're like, oh, shit, I wish I never would have done that. I, I, remember, I mean, there, there, I'll tell you one here, but I'll, I'll pre that one with another one because, again – I mean, I'm not, you know, ignorant to the point of like every trade and every pick and every prediction are going to work out. Like that's not even close, you know, everybody. Um, I really liked Mark Heasley out of USC. And I remember I traded Gronk and like a lot more plus. And when you think of like back then, like uh, I really missed on that one. But the worst one was I was like one player away, I think, from really dominating this league. And so I traded for Des Bryant when he was still in the prime. And after I traded for him, I got about one week of that. Then he got hurt and it was never the same again. <laughs> and I gave up Geis, who was in college at the time. So the value went through Brandon Cooks and three early Debbie picks, like first round Debbie picks. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, my team's still like, survived i'm still doing well but it would have been a lot better if i didn't do that trade wow now that one hurts oh it's i think i took des number two in a startup right before he got hurt and that hasn't worked out ever since but 
It happens. Um, but uh, this is probably going to wrap us up. Just like we're trying to keep it not going too, too long. Um, I'm going to give you a chance to plug anything you want to plug. Give us like Twitter handles. Uh, it's kind of your, your chance to kind of shine. Yeah. Um, so on Twitter, I'm at underscore Nick Whalen. Um, I'm currently a free agent, so I'm not writing anywhere right now. So, um, and I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do with that. I have uh, an idea you know, if, if, if people listen to this and they think it's a good idea, you let me know, but I have a, a counseling background. I have a coaching background and I, uh, and I race, you know, and so, um, my racing background, I mean, I've qualified for a world championship race each of the last three years. And so that's been kind of a new passion of mine. Um, I've thought of getting into life coaching, helping people out with, you know, problems cause I'm a counselor or, or fitness or nutrition and all that kind of stuff. I thought that could be perhaps my next juncture. I'm not really sure. So if people like that idea, let me know, you know, I'm, I'm really vulnerable with that idea right now. So if you have confidence and like, that's good, or you'd be interested in it, you know, cause you know, you have a problem, guess what everyone does. Okay. That's kind of why I'm interested. Cause I think everyone can do some help. Uh, it'd be online. Like we would like Skype, like, you know, like this or FaceTime and you know, who knows that that's kind of my idea. But, um, I guess my, uh, if I can have a, a parting shot is just, is just be kind to everybody. Okay. We're online. We're passionate. We love football, but like, we're all people, you know what I mean? It's just football. People lose their minds. I know someone talked about, you know, can you believe what Baker Mayfield said to that reporter? Can you believe what people say on Twitter all the time? Like think of saying that to somebody in person, if you're not going to do that, why don't we just back away from the keyboard? Okay. And just enjoy football and fantasy football. It's not real life. I'm with you 100%. And the end of the day, it's just fantasy football, and it really doesn't matter. But, uh, Nick, we really do appreciate you coming on. This has been quite enjoyable. Uh, we'll have to get you back again because there's obviously so much more we can touch on. I uh, really appreciate the time. Uh, so I can't thank you enough. No, thanks, man. Any Anytime. I'll, I'll come on. Or we can just talk ball, too. I like that. Always. Yeah, thanks, I mean, Nick. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks, boys. <laughs> If you haven't checked out some of our earlier episodes, please go back and check them out. Episode one had Ryan McDowell of DLF. Episode two, Leo Pasiga. I'm definitely off to a nice start here. Looking forward to getting back to a regular schedule and having on some of your favorites from the fantasy industry. Please like, rate, and subscribe. And uh, can't wait to catch you on the next podcast. Game over.